0: All right. Hello and welcome to Better Than The Movie. I am Jeanette. She is Tamika and we are here talking books. Tamika, how are you doing this evening? I'm fine. How are you? I'm alright. i ready
1: for this week to be done. Okay. Me too. My time as a kept woman has come to an end. <laughs> <laughs> a lady of leisure. Uh, that day, that lifestyle is over with, y'all. <laughs> I got a job. And I'm excited about the job, but I'm not going to lie. I was just really getting, like, you know, a girl could get used to this. Um, Especially with the children going back to school. I was like, oh, my God, I can have my days. (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching all kinds of shows that I've been meaning to watch for years. Um, I started watching, this is going to be crazy, but the, um, the series... Called my crazy ex girlfriend. Have you heard of this?
0: Yes, that's like oh. a musical, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I've heard of it, and then I saw. It. I remember seeing it and was like, "Oh no, doesn't look like for me." I didn't think it was gonna make it because I didn't. I totally judged the book by its cover, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "Let me give it a try" because I had heard really good things about about it, and it is actually really really good. Yeah, if you, if you can get with the musical, and the musicals are funny. It's not like it's trying to be serious with it
0: mm-hmm. oh, so,
1: like there's one she was like get it like a like she's getting ready for a day and it was like my sexy getting ready song and like all of a sudden nipsey hustle comes in <laughs> <laughs> and it's just really really good and it's just it's like mental health you know it is about mental health issues and how we approach mental health and stuff but it's done in a really comical and smart way you know i always try to give y'all a tv show <laughs> I've, I've given you mom. I've given you I've given you my crazy ex-girlfriend. I think it's a good one. You know, you'll have to watch it all at once, but it's a little fun. It's a fun little escape.
0: Nice.
1: And she's crazy. <laughs> In a good <laughs> way. <laughs> crazy. Anyway. Um. So oh, hello. You can find us on the internet at BetterThanTheMovie.com or on Twitter at BetterThanTM. You can find us on Facebook. (laughs) Facebook.com slash BetterThanTheMovie. Um, And that is that on that. All right. Twitter tweet. We prefer because we get the Facebooks, but y'all know how it is. Yeah.
0: Facebook is like the den of iniquity i just can't all right so news 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 things Um, are happening um, lots of things are happening all right so the first bit of news we have um which is fun is that we finally have a release date for napoli ever after um a while back now we had the author of the napoli book series trisha r thomas on the show um, I, think, yeah, listen to us. <laughs> I think it is then that we learned that this series was happening in conjunction with Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it will hit Netflix on September 21st of this year. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. It stars Thin, uh Ricky Whittle, Lyric Bent, Ernie Hudson and Lynn Whitfield.
1: Yes, Lynn Whitfield, keep working
0: uh-huh. queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, it's produced by um, the same producer that um, did South Side with You, the Michelle and Barack film. Yes, uh huh? Yeah, so should be good. I can't wait to see it. I'm really interested to see how this morphed from book to adaptation.
1: Yes, and shout out to everybody involved in finally getting this out there. I mean, I remember distinctly that this book was supposed to be a book a long time ago. And I was waiting on this book, I mean, this movie starring Halle Berry, like the same way I was waiting for uh, Coldest Winter Ever starring <laughs> Jada <Jane> Pinkett. <laughs> <laughs> and I had given up hope. But... um It's exciting. I'm happy. I'm so happy. Congratulations to everyone involved, but especially Trisha R. Thomas. And y'all go out and buy that whole series. It is not expensive to buy the eBooks to celebrate because, you know, the name of the the book is better than the movie. Usually I might be speaking out of turn because I haven't seen the movie, but Support her by buying the books, and support the movie by watching it on your Netflix that you already pay for anyway. So just go ahead and watch it. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been trying to dig into Netflix movies um, because I feel like I'm underutilizing my subscription, and I've had some good some good luck. So,
0: right on. I okay. can't. Y'all gotta watch um, the movie. Set it up. Have you seen this? Is that the Tay Diggs one and Lucy Lou? Yes. Yeah, that was mad cute. Very. Straight I realized that I liked it.
1: Me too. Straight <laughs> up old school romantic comedy. All of the tropes, good times. Don't think too hard about it. It was really good.
0: Anyway. <laughs> all right. So the next little bit of news is also something about movies, TV, however you want to uh, slice it. So another former guest of the show, because I'm just doing all this bragging and shit, because that's what I do, Um, it's Leo season. (laughs) Um, Victoria Mm -hmm. Christopher Murray um, has a book series uh, based on the Seven Deadly Sins, and uh, Lifetime in conjunction with Bishop T.D. Jakes, are producing three movies, uh, Lust, Envy, and Greed, Mm -hmm. they will debut next year. So it says that the movies are executive produced by T.D. Jakes, Derek Williams, and Sean Robinson. Like, access Hollywood, Sean Robinson? Interesting. All right. Oh. Anyway, so yeah, so those are coming next year, um, which that's super dope for uh, Victoria.
1: Didn't, didn't the Bishop uh, produce um, Jump, the broom? Jump in the Broom? Did he? I don't know. Was in it for sure.
0: I thought he was in it. Maybe he did, though.
1: He doesn't do bad work. I'm pretty sure he produced Jump in the Broom. Jump in. The... Am I saying this movie yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I really
1: liked that movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because it was the Jesus part in there. A little preaching. I'm pretty sure he did. Anyway, when well, we got this email, I was like, the bishop emailed us. <laughs> <laughs> um we'll look it, looks, it looks good it looks interesting there's a
0: synopsis so i don't think we need to read them yeah we can link but, it i'm gonna link all these articles in the show notes so and we'll there's the synopses of all three again
1: this is based on a book series by victoria christopher murray so if you want to get a leg up before the movies come out um you can do that by supporting victoria christopher murray I'm purchasing most books wherever your books get sold to you
0: <laughs> alright so girl this next piece my twitter
1: was a twitter about I don't know if it was because of this piece or if it was just yeah it was because of this piece yeah <clears throat> Anna girl Anna
0: so. talk, me through, talk me through it um, on July 26, 2018, the LA Times, uh, published an article that was called, um, damn, what's this lady's name? Who is Anna March? I'm cracking up because I read this on mobile the first time, and <laughs> all these animations, so now I'm looking at it on the computer. It's switching out all of her different aliases. Yeah. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> know. Hilarious. Oh, I am fucking... Amused. Okay. So, this is a deep dive into this woman, Anna March, who basically wormed her way into the literati and scammed a whole lot of people. You know, she was very Joanne-esque in her moves. I just... Girl... That, that the, The power that white women have is just, do y'all know if white women, if you're listening to this show, are you aware of the power that is harnessed in your hands? Girl, this was just like, excuse, no, you know what?
1: Okay, can you, because you know I'll ramble, can you give the people a little, who haven't read it a little more before I say what I have to say?
0: So essentially she just scammed the whole literary uh, industry. So she came in um, basically worming her way into this world, making people believe that she had connections that she did not have. She set up writing retreats that never happened. She uh, claimed to have uh, publishing contracts and to be in the process of writing books that never got published. She scammed from Maryland to Los Angeles, um, starting off in Maryland, uh, she had a, a, a financial suit levied against her um, and she's supposed to pay out $380,000, okay? Mm-hmm. So old girl started back in, in the 90s. She started back in politics, right? Mm-hmm. And she was the treasurer of a campaign and some money came up missing now she says that the campaign report had erroneous information but i don't know that i quite believe that girl don't then in the mid 90s she she um moves to san diego and she goes from being um nancy lott to delaney anderson and as delaney anderson she uh, Helms' this Writing Center, which is a prof, a nonprofit, excuse me, um, that provided classes and community for aspiring writers. So, she claims that she was only paid nine thousand dollars over two years while she ran this small, struggling literary arts organization. Um, but in actuality, she—I <laughs> just every time I just read. How she got over on people. I'm just really flabbergasted. So she launched this gala called Literary Lights. It had a fundraising auction, but then that was in 1997. But then in 1998, there's an eviction notice on the offices of this writing center. And um, the board <laughs> scheduled a meeting with her. But <laughs> what she did was tack a note on the president of the board director's office that said I resign
1: ain't gonna be no meeting today
0: so yeah so that group though they never actually sought restitution from her Um, she just pretty much got off scot-free so she left San Diego she went back to DC area she was calling herself Nancy Cruz at this point she meets and marries this historian Um, And then she creates a consulting firm, Nancy Cruz and Partners. Mm, mm, mm. Here, she's doing direct mail fundraising for public radio. Supposed to be about 15 public radio stations that she was raising this money for. Well, how about that?
1: (laughs) You know how you want to feel bad for people for getting scammed, but sometimes you just be like...
0: So she launched this national online auction. Um, each of the 15 station, stations paid her up front in amounts from $8,700 to $68,400 to participate. They were supposed to recoup that plus a share of the total. So there were a variety of different uh, things that were to be auctioned off. And when the auction finished, revenue totaled $677 and $900. i am sorry, six. Hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars nine hundred sixteen, right? Mm-hmm. You think those radio stations got their money? No. I do not. She sent 10K to nine of the 15 stations, and then no one else got any more money. Is on, she in jail? On top of that, no girl. On top of that, wherever she was renting office space from, she was behind on rent there. So so then she abruptly shorts down, shuts down her, her, uh, <laughs> her fundraising company, right?
1: Of course she did.
0: Hey. So then it's like, okay, Nancy and or Anna and or Delaney is laying low now. Mm. Nope, just kidding. She pops back up in Delaware. She wowed the small town's writing community with tales of literary ascendancy. She told them she signed a two book deal with Random House and she had gone to the National Book Awards with her friend, Malcolm Gladwell. (laughs) This part tickled the hell out of me.
1: Nobody called Malcolm to see.
0: The woman that she told this says that she recalls her pointing at a picture of Gladwell in the newspaper the next day and saying she had been just out of frame.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like the time I met Beyonce.
0: (laughs) right there on her instagram just out of frame mm-hmm. yeah so uh she lied about meeting bob dylan just lies 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 in delaware so she leaves delaware then she resurfaces in 2011 as anna march mm. she's dating some guy adam pisachewitz mm. okay that's my best guess Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, December 2012, she published her first story on salon.com, um, where she would write regularly for years. They moved from the East coast to Santa Barbara, and then they moved to Los Angeles. Um, and so she's basically integrating herself with emerging writings, right? Mm -hmm. So they, uh, Talk to a few people that she um, was close to. So like one of the people that's um, quoted at the top of the article is Ashley Ford. Um, uh, they mentioned another young emerging writer, um, Ashley Perez, that she had connected with in L.A. <sighs> it, it, I just So
1: here's the thing. First of all, don't try this at home. <laughs> especially especially if you're Black because it's not going to work out in your favor. Or What this person did does is what a lot of scammers do. Uh, Bernie Madoff, you know I have read <laughs> my share about Mr. <laughs> Madoff. And other scammers like him. They appeal to people's we to people's sense of wanting to first to be appeal to people's trust, but then that sense of wanting to be a part of something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I though I think she was wrong for taking these people's money, I think the more embarrassing part for this world is how easy it is to, for lack of a better word, infiltrate <laughs> your circles. And how you don't have any, this, okay. Any other world, and I, and I, most other worlds, industries, I could not just walk in and say that I have arrived and y'all just got to take my word for
0: it. Right. Like you cannot walk into a surgical OR and be like, oh, girl, I am credentialed and ready to cut.
1: Right. And because places like Twitter and, um, Yeah. Social media has made it possible for people to connect with each other and make a name for themselves and they can write and speak and and really build up their brand just off tweets. Really? Why wouldn't you? You know what I'm saying? There's nothing saying who who would question who would question her. She's a white lady, crazy hair. She knows the talk. She knows the lingo. She's able to get herself into the rooms. Nobody thought before we hand over the responsibility of collecting monies, (laughs) we should do a background check on this lady. We should run things through. And the part that killed me was so many, she kept so many people gassed by promising them things. Like she, you get a thousand dollar award and that lent credibility. Well, what's a thousand dollars if she's responsible for hundreds of thousands of dollars?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, why are you so why are people so anxious to get recognized in any way, shape, or like I like saw somebody call and say, hi, you know, and Jeanette, I'm calling from the Grace Jones Fun- <laughs> <laughs> Center for the Performing Arts. And we'd like to give you a five thousand dollar award for the work you're doing on your podcast. Neither one of us is gonna be like. Before we cast
0: that check, <laughs> let me
1: <laughs> Google the Grace Jones Center for Performing Arts. If That doesn't exist. But well, what's
0: crazy is that she manages to get herself into organizations that actually have some sort of clout or like name recognition, which right. is really the fucked up part because That's she crazy. like she worms her way into these communities, and none of them. Soft fit. So, so it's like, what the hell, bro? Like, what are y'all doing? What are your standards for you to be an organization that has a certain level of prestige? Like, I can, can do a simple background check on somebody.
1: Like, I can just go to NPR and be like, hey,
0: <laughs> no, I can't.
1: yeah. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> the
0: thing that blows my mind about all of this is mm-hmm. that this woman has stolen money literally from coast to coast. And at the end of this article, it says, Today, Anna March is far from the Ace Hotel in her soiree. She now offers private literary consulting, manuscript consultations for sixteen hundred to three thousand, and coaching for hopeful writers to construct submissions to literary agents. But so yeah. she is still fucking scamming. And ain't produced not a one. <laughs> book. <laughs> and <I laughs> tells people she has 3 books, not two, almost ready. Girl, that is just I don't even know what to say to that. Like, that's the power of whiteness. Like if anyone wants to be able to quantify the power of white womanhood, this story is it. This chick and I don't know if you read the story about Anna Delvey. No. Yo, so uh off-topic a little bit. It's not literary. But um, this chick uh, basically scammed her way all over the East Coast. Um, Shonda Rhimes actually offered, Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, A New York Times story about her, though. But, like... Yes. My God, white women. My God. <laughs> Unasked for.
1: And I know people that can't get a desk job, let alone... Hi. I am friends with Malcolm Gladwell, and I'd like to run your foundation like it's just bizarro behavior but people will get enough people will get enough of ego stroking and
0: blindly trusting people
1: yeah and it just says a lot about the gatekeepers and the who's who's of the literary world and how easy it is to get on in that world and mm. be recognized and I really hate that they threw um we talked about this before Ashley and uh saeed yeah they threw they threw them directly under the bus as if they were you know the only people she scammed i just I'm like i could have left them names really all of the authors who worked with her or trusted her or received anything from her they could have left all of them off because that really had that wasn't their fault it wasn't relevant to, to even include them yep so anyway it was a bizarro read and y'all should check it out because i just couldn't believe what she got away with and especially as i was looking for a job i was like what (laughs)
0: like what the
1: that's all i got to (sighs) do anyway Mm -mm -mm. okay so friends today we are talking about, we had a conversation, and we decided that we have not done any, we have not been showing enough love to the independent artists.
0: I have <laughs> You know, I have to sing that song every time I want to feel independent. That's sad. Who doesn't? That's the American way.
1: <laughs> like everybody's got to do M I, cricket letter, cricket letter. Of course. So um so we wanted to do that. We want to give some love to the to the indies and um and some authors that we've talked about before. I know on my list and I some new people and some interesting things and we want y'all to start showing love. There was um and I'm glad you didn't include it here, but there was a, an article that was written about indie um publishers and how it's beneficial. Did you read that? Mm-mm. Mm. It was saying like <laughs> Oh, no, you did not read it. I wish you would have read it. Basically, it was saying they were talking about how it's great that independent writers have a way to get to their audiences and it's that's all good, but it really is it really has the potential to hurt the publishing world traditional publishing world.
0: You didn't read this? <laughs> no, I did
1: not. I was wondering why you didn't... Okay, I thought maybe you were like, no, Tamika, that's trash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't read it. I didn't even see it
1: anywhere. We not doing that on Gone Girl. Hold on one second. Because <laughs> I'm about to send it to you because we got the backup. And this is why I... This is, I, I thought it would have been perfect um, because of because of what we've decided to cover, but I want, and then other events that have nothing to do with y'all. <laughs> but um, I, that, I just thought you thought it was nonsense, and I should have asked. I told you you're the Beyonce of the show, so if you don't,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't even see it. So yeah, link me to it. I can. Okay. I
1: just actually get yeah, it I contacted to you. It said the 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 byline or the what's this called? I don't know. It's called the the headline. The authors who love Amazon. The e-commerce giant has finally, finally, July 20th, 2018, made self-publishing lucrative. But does, it do, but does its dominance come at a cost? <laughs> so it talks about, you know, Prime Day and here are all of these, you know, the bonanza. And it says an unfamiliar face topped the site's author rank page. This is on Prime Day. Mike Omer, a 39-year-old Israeli computer engineer and self-published author whose profile picture is a candid blah, 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 blah. He was, and at this time, at the time of this writing still is, ranked above J.K. Rowling, number eight, James Patterson, number nine, and Stephen King, number 10, in sales of all of his books on Amazon.com. His most recent book is ranked 10th on the Amazon chart, which Amazon launched after the New York Times stopped issuing e-book rankings, which, sure, and which measures sales of individual books on Amazon. Right. Mm-hmm. So it talks about how he's part of this community um, of self-published authors and it's making the Amazon's platform lucrative. Um, he's not as familiar. A name as a big authors marketed by traditional publishing houses and may not have as many total book sales. Omer is making an enviable living from his writing, which we know we've discussed that there are writers out there making good money. Yeah. Uh, self-publishing. So the author goes on to say, talk a little bit more about this Omar person, how many books he's sold through Amazon and including not just people who bought his books directly, but people who read his books through Kindle Unlimited. So he goes on and talks about how for decades, self-publishing was derided as an embarrassing sign that an author couldn't cut it in the real publishing industry. Quote, the literary world's version of masturbation, as Salon once put it. And Amazon, the world's biggest e-commerce site with its bookstore beating prices was painted as an enemy to authors, but now it's self-publishing service, KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing has made it easy for people to upload their books and send them out to the universe and make money, okay? So we know that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But then he said, this of course, this is of course threatening to the traditional publishing industry, which seems to be in a state of everlasting free fall. Industry-wide self-publishing is gaining readers as traditional publishers are losing them, according to Author Earnings, a site produced by an anonymous marketing analytics expert, blah, blah, blah. The self-published share of of paid U.S. e-book units increased to 46.4% from 44.7% between the second quarters of 2017 and 2018. The data guy of this Author Earnings place told me in an email, while the traditionally published share of paid e-book units decreased to 43.2% from 45.5%, blah, 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 blah. Central Amazon's gambit and author's pay is Kindle Unlimited. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Authors can choose to participate in KDP Select, which automatically puts a book into Kindle Unlimited and which can be highly lucrative. Amazon sets aside a pot of money every month that it divvies up among KDP Select authors based on how many other pages have been read each month by Kindle Unlimited subscribers. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. We know that the payment ends up being a little less than half a penny per page, but those who are read the most can get monthly bonuses as high as $25,000. Last year, Amazon paid out more than $220 million to authors, the company told me. I've gotten money from that pot. Have you gotten money from that pot?
0: Oh, I got a little bit of money. that the pot.
1: A <laughs> of participation in KDP Select. Authors who self publish on Amazon through KDP also earn a 70% royalty, percent royalty on books priced between $2.99 and $9.99, and a 35% royalty on books that cost more or less than that. We you know that. Then he goes on about this. So here's the problem. get <laughs> along you know, limited readers may begin to think of books as free even though they're paying a monthly fee because each additional book they read in Kindle Unlimited doesn't cost them anything extra. Because that's why it's called Unlimited. This could be a boon for new authors. Readers who might not be willing to pay outright for books by unknown writers will read those books on Kindle Unlimited where they feel free. <laughs> I truly believe that people would not read as, many books of my, read as many of my books were I not on Kindle Unlimited. Samantha Christie, romance writer, blah, 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 blah. She's successful, her husband quit his IT job. They go to Hawaii, she writes three books a year. It's a business. Her and a partner write a bunch of pages, blah, blah, blah. But unlimited has its downside. Amazon demands exclusivity from its KDP select authors, meaning they can only sell their books on the Kindle store and not on any other digital bookstores. The payment structure means that authors who produce a lot of pages, even if they're not particularly good pages, earn more money than authors who write succinctly. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Almost since the launch of Kindle Unlimited, Amazon has been battling bookstuffers, authors who publish hundreds of contents, pages of content in Unlim- Kindle Unlimited, some of which is gibberish. Huh?
0: I said we talked about that. Right. Uh,
1: self-publishing on Amazon's platform benefits authors in some genres, including romance mysteries, where readers tear through books and writing them might not take a long time. So let me just hold on. <laughs> Over those who spend years writing novels or who do deeply research nonfiction books. Yep. And authors on Kindle Unlimited have to work hard to promote themselves and attract new readers in a crowded marketplace. Do they? I'll wait. <laughs> so this particular woman that they covered, she writes about 21 full-length novels in three years. She has published. and part, is marketing. You have to do your business, your marketing. You have to do your Facebook. You have to do your Q&As and your giveaways and your events. You know this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people buy ads on Amazon, et cetera. That means the structure of Kindle Unlimited means writers need to churn out a lot of content. There's another group; they kind of run a company. These two groups they are writing novels, romance novels, and novellas under the pen name Alexa Riley, and they split up the task of writing 3,000 words a day each, and they get they publish about three books a month, so forth. And so this goes on about like how. I guess he's trying to say that it sounds like he's hating.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they are a quote from uh, the founder and CEO of Smashwords, which is an ebook distributor, um, and it calls Kindle Unlimited a cancer, saying it's going to undermine the entire publishing industry. Though authors may feel like they're benefiting in the short term, the unlimited model is training people to read books. Oh, wait, you just said that part. -hmm. Train uh, people to read books for what feels like for free. Amazon's putting a thumb on the scale. Although customers will happily pay for books, they will be giving these books out for even cheaper.
1: And so hold on. And so
0: comparisons to Spotify and
1: yeah, this lady, one of these ladies who has this writing deal with her home girl was like, you know, they did have a traditional publishing deal, and um, it took a long time to get done, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Get a publisher. It might take a whole year or more before your book is actually released from the time you finish. where on Amazon it just takes you, you finish it and do your cover, you're done. Um, and she said it felt prestigious and good for our career, but the money wasn't the same as with Amazon. So they returned to self-publishing. I don't understand why this is a thing today. <laughs> um, I do, I, Is self-publishing hurting traditional publishing? (laughs) No, traditional
0: publishing is hurting itself. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, traditional publishing is hurting itself. Uh Because traditional publishing does not listen to the reader. And you cannot survive if you are in an industry where you don't listen to your consumers. Yes, Instead, they try to send what they think they want consumers to have. So, a good example of this is this whole diversity movement, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody is writing books that have characters of color, or characters who are um, of different sexual orientations, or different um, able um, levels of ability, or um, shit. I'm trying to like think of all the PC ways to say basically like all the people who are on the fringes of. you know but so they go through this whole movement "Yeah, yeah yeah we need diverse books but then they are not actually having people who are from these backgrounds write the books instead they're like no we're gonna have more white people write these books but it's cool because the books exist right when the reader base is saying no because the majority of the time when you let these people who aren't from these communities write these books they are nonsensical And they are made of bullshit that we don't want to read because they're full of stereotypes. So the longer that the big five, big six, however the fuck many of them are um, in publishing continues to do like television does where they'll give us a smattering of shows that have colored faces. And then there'll be a 10 year stretch where there's maybe one show Mm -hmm. and then a smattering and then one show. Um, As long as they continue to do that shit, they're the cancer to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part one of it. Part two of it is that. Um, let me scroll down to the author of this article's name because I want to make sure that I address her directly. Mm-hmm. Alana Simuels, um, girl, you about like fifteen years too late writing this article. One hundred and fifty, <laughs> <laughs> like years. Um. The. the the audacity audacity that everyone who writes um, uh, to say that everyone who self publishes doesn't do so because it's their choice it's always presented as if well they couldn't make it to get a contract so they do this instead and here's the thing I don't understand and
1: I've said this in a different way but I'm gonna say it again why does everybody get it when it comes to music, but they don't get it when it comes to and books? Films. like why why doesn't why is it so celebrated that chance the rapper is quote unquote indie? And I'm just gonna leave them quotes right there. But but if a and but he's capable and he can win a Grammy Award and he can be, you know, sell out tours, and nobody says it's because he couldn't find a record deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, you get it, but you don't want to get it because this goes back to it interrupts your world. And a lot of times I think I think you were really, you were spot on about publishing, traditional publishing, not listening, but also not understand. I mean, how many, when we go through NetGalley or any sort of thing where we know, okay, this is what's being published, how long until we get to a book that is I won't even, listen. I'm not going to focus on the the race or gender politics behind, I'm not even going to focus on that. Just a book that hasn't been done a million times. Just a book that is not so literary that common folk <laughs> that just want to read something under the hairdryer, don't want to fool with it. or
0: Or just a book that doesn't put a minority community through struggles and pain and strife um as a showing of nobility or you know oh they overcame this despite that
1: we don't and right and i think a lot of black people when they're saying that they're not getting the black audience it's like okay great now y'all are giving us the books to an extent but now we got to die in every one of them or we got to get shot or we got to revisit slavery or we got to visit our boyfriend's jail and the ghost of our dead brother has to follow us i (laughs) mean no shade but it's just like why do we always have to be going through some horrendous thing that has to do with race? like we can't just go to the family reunion and fall in love and like <laughs> and you know, try to be like, where's a, a book I'm about death
0: row? all that happens over at death row <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like why could we can't write why, why not write a meaningful story about a story about a normal, healthy married couple struggling to have a baby, you know, or just or make them black? Like what is wrong? Like we have other problems that are not centered in race, and there's conflict there. It doesn't have to be always about pain. And i
0: guess who can write those stories about us, us uh, that aren't centered in pain? Uh, no girl, not in big publishing. White ladies. Prime example. What's old girl name? My sister's keeper, uh, Jody Pico. Uh huh. Her book was number one. Her her last book that she released. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Shucks. I got to Google real fast. Um, But the last book that she released was um at the top of the chart, Small Great Things. That's what it's called. At the top of the African-American fiction charts for <laughs> a smooth six or seven months, I feel like Tayari came and knocked her out. Like, honestly. And, oh, what was it about? A nurse who goes through something, whatever, blah, 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 whatever. These parents are white supremacists, the black nerds, blah, 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 whatever. Jody Pico writes that book and it's amazing. New York Times bestseller. Oh my God. And then I think about like how an American marriage mm-hmm. to the top of the charts, right? Of course there was the Oprah effect that has something to do with it. But then you think about every other book that Ciara has written prior to and for America, an American marriage to be the first that was noticed by the New York Times? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And I I can't even begin to rank them, but I don't know how anybody didn't pay no attention to leaving Atlanta. It's just come on. Yeah. Like she's been writing at that level since her first book. So how are you just now recognizing? You recognize, you saw. But you didn't want to give her, give her that. And I just, I get so disgusted by the idea that, and this is perpetuated by other writers. Don't get me wrong. This, is, this may be something that's happening on high, but it's also amongst writers that are people who are self-publishing are not as good. So it's not even worth talking to them or talking about them because they didn't get a deal. When really, the deal does is not the thing, the book is the thing. how I, I many we have ran through a bunch of books that were written by traditionally published people that were trash. they're just trash. and that's it. And it doesn't matter how good you are technically, if you don't have any story yeah, and so, and it doesn't matter how many degrees you have and how many connections you have and how many if you can't tell a story that intrigues and holds people and is fascinating and is well written. I'll, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And it's just such a, it's so sad to me to see somebody take time and somebody approved her writing such a thing in this day and age and making it seem like that somehow the people, on the off chance that someone picks my book to read out of the zillions of self-published, i if I'm somehow successful, I'm somehow harming the industry as a whole. So what are these people supposed to do, just go away?
0: <laughs> right. writing. or right. go and chase the brass wing ring of being published by a major publisher only to have everything that makes their stories amazing stripped stripped out of them
1: and the numbers don't make sense the numbers don't make sense why in the hell wouldn't i want to keep 70
0: percent of my brother? Girl, and then like i was reading something recently um Dang, I can't remember uh, how it got, it just got like retweeted on my feed. Um, And it was talking about how authors earn out. That's what it was. It was a a tweet thread talking about how people earn out their advances. And the fact that it can, excuse me, it's taken some people up to eight to 10 years to earn out their advance and their advance was like $5,000. Right. Right. Now. Correct.
1: And I'm like, the, she harped on the idea that um, it's it's not good that if you get on Kindle Unlimited, you can't sell to other book platforms. You can't. So, put, so you let me
0: put 10 on 20 about that real fast. Yeah, look. I know some people who have taken their books out of Kindle Unlimited and they have said, I'm going to take my books out because I want to Um, be able to market broadly. I want to be able to put it on Nook and Kobo and Smashwords and whatever the hell else, right? Mm -hmm. Those same people within six months were back to their shit being exclusive on Kindle Unlimited um, because as this article points out, writers make anywhere from 50 to 70% of their revenue from kindle unlimited mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that's just it
0: and i can be noble and say that i am writing for the greater good which i am because i write the stories that i want to see in the world absolutely 100 percent. but i'm also not mad at getting paid mm-hmm.
1: And it's something you have to weigh out the same way if people who are traditionally published have to weigh out. Do they want to wait half their lives for their books and their money to come? Like, is this something you have to, you have to figure it out? Are you getting enough shine on Kobo anyway to be
0: I mean, like, honestly, like I looked at my phone the other day because I was just scrolling through. I got way too many apps and I need to delete some. And I was like, why the hell do I have the Nook app? I haven't read on Nook since like 2004.
1: So- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just think people need to be, you know, just shut the hell up. Nobody's killing your traditional publishing. If you are mad about traditional, I mean, if you are mad about self publishers and you think they're undercutting something, you march yourself right up to your publisher <laughs> you tell them that they need to do a better job of marketing you and they need to do a better job of hearing what you're telling them in terms of what your readers are telling you. And they need to put more money behind you in general. And then, you know, Everybody can eat, but right now leave these people in the self-publishing world alone. That's Look right. like you don't have no choice but to leave them alone because nobody
0: cares what you think. And the readers ain't leaving us alone, so you
1: no, know, my little book and I <laughs> put 50% effort into marketing and publishing that book, not even and I I got more of a check than I ever thought. I still get a little change here and there from <laughs> 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 a little surprise change, a little coffee money. For my book, <laughs> and that was over a year ago, and it was a novella. So, bye, <laughs> goodbye, Alana. Is that her name?
0: Hmm.
1: Anyway, I'm sorry. I thought you was like, "Girl, I'm not doing this today," so you didn't talk about it because no, I was. I
0: just didn't know nothing about it, but Alana just made me irritated. I'm just, I don't know. I'm so sick of people who choose the path of traditional publishing, thinking that that makes them superior to people who choose the path of indie in some way.
1: And I didn't like the way that she made it seem like somehow because the work is being produced faster, that it's not
0: the content isn't good. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's like, well, everybody, some people are getting to it and everybody does not need to backpack through Europe and,
0: <laughs> and like, let's be frank. Like the majority of the content on KU is genre fiction, right? Genre fiction is what highly calculated and um, kind of one, two, three paint by numbers predictable. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, that's not to say that everyone is writing the same story, but there are certain elements that each of these stories have to contain within yeah. a genre. So, if you're a master of your genre, then it's nothing for you to constantly be thinking of new stories and always be creating content. Right,
1: and that's it. It's not easy by any stretch. Yeah. I consider myself to be a pretty intelligent person and a fairly good writer, and I do. I struggle with it. It's not easy. And so, for people to make it seem like, to me, I think from I personally would have an easier time writing some nonsensical thing that was so far out into the woods, it felt deep and putting you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that seems easier to me than saying, okay, how do I make this story that has a formula? People know it's going to end well, but how do I take them on a ride anyway? That mm-hmm. is not easy. And if you think it is, you can go ahead and give it a shot and see one of them reviewers. It's not easy. And I just really feel like that was some bullshit and it was gross and it was a little bit elitist and funny. But I was intrigued by the duo who had a pen name and they was, had to set up like a business. <laughs> Let's have them on the show. I'm interested. <laughs> because that is admirable. So that hustle was admirable. And I'm sure their books are good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it was interesting. Anyway, sorry y'all, but we couldn't let that bullshit pass. <laughs> well, that's in. We're gonna cover some independent writers, independent authors. Um, all mine are black women.
0: Uh, <laughs> all mine are too.
1: Okay, sorry everybody else. That's is not where we were going today, but. Um, so I, I'm focused mostly on books that I've read in the last, um, since we last spoke okay. and then, um, two that I want to read and I'm going to read. So, um, do you want to start?
0: Oh, snap. How many do you have? I have five. We don't have, oh, okay, okay, okay. I have the same amount. So okay. we're good. Wait, I have four, but it's fine. That's all right. So yeah, I'll start. Sure. So. Um, I think all of my books are <clears throat> romance, except for one. But anyway, um, because it's where I know the most indies at. So the first book I have, though, is called Pushing 30 uh, by Arthur author Nicole Reese Rice. I always pronounce her last name wrong. Um, but it is about a group of friends who are on the verge of turning 30 um, and their ups and downs in life. Whatever, I'm going to read the synopsis because it can do better than I can. Mm -hmm. Um, 29-year-old viral TV blogger, Zahira Ramsey has it all except peace. She's built a fortress of protection around her heart as big as her coily hair. But when Chris Samuels enters her life, ready to unpack everything she's been hearing, will she put up a fight or will the scrappy know-it-all fold under the pressure? Camille Downing has lived most of her 29 years in the shadows of other people. As a top-notch executive assistant, she makes the impossible possible while taking none of the credit. But when she meets flashy and outgoing Jamel Jones, he makes her question why she's been constantly selling herself short. Can she let go, or will he push her too far out of her comfort zone? Terry Baldwin can't even. With three kids on her belt at 29 and a husband who acts like child number four, she's slowly losing her mind. With their family falling apart at the seams, Terry decides to get a job. Can she be a full-time employee and mother, or will the weight of adulting finally send her over the edge? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I know Nicole, but I don't know Nicole, right? So I know her via Twitter, um, but I've never met her in real life. But she has um, three books that she released before this, are actually a YA trilogy mm-hmm. um, that she released maybe like three or four years ago by now, um, and I read them fairly recently, and they were pretty good. And so I know she's been working on pushing 30 for a minute, Um, and it finally came out uh, a couple weeks ago. So I haven't read it yet, um, but I am looking forward to reading it. Uh, I've heard really good things about it so far. It's still holding steady at five stars on Amazon right now. So that's what's up. Okay.
1: And don't y'all be a hater and go mess her up. (laughs) I'm
0: playing.
1: Okay. So, guys, I just finished reading a book called Wins and Losses. But Alexandra Horn. Alexandra Horn is um, co-host of Girl Have You Read podcast. Shout out to Christina and Alexandra. I'm gonna call her Alexandra. I don't know her like that. <laughs> some people, you know, some people are not. Yeah. So um, but I she has what twenty thousand books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she has exactly twenty
1: books. Okay. And so um I have never I have a lot of her books. <laughs> I always buy them when they come out. <laughs> but I have never I have more of Christina, Alex, yours I always read. Um and somebody else's, but I haven't read them all, but I do buy. <laughs> I do purchase. So this is the first one that I was like, okay, if I'm ever gonna read, get into her, it's gonna be this one. And I'll tell you why, because of the description. It was so good. It was intriguing. Now that her other description, this is this isn't about not reading her books. This is about reading this particular book. Right. So um, I'll read you the, synopsis, the, the, the description. <laughs> Nasir Valentine has one thing on his mind, winning a championship title in his first year as head coach of the boys' basketball team. But when his team captain's father is murdered just before the start of the season, he quickly learns coaching high school basketball in the inner city is a lot more than just drawing numbers and arrows on a dry erase board. Struck by the tragedy of her father's murder, Carmen Wellington is faced with the tough decision of keeping her life away from home or coming back to her hometown to support her little brother through his senior year of high school. It's a decision that will change her life, change her life in more ways than one, especially with her brother's handsome basketball coach in the picture. Carmen is supposed to be focused on what's best for her and her family. Nasir is supposed to be focused on what's best for him and his team. But with those two, when those two worlds colliding in un- an undeniable attraction developing because of it, the two can only hope for more wins than losses. So the synopsis, that was good, but <laughs> let me tell y'all that I was intrigued. Okay. This is going to sound dark, but I was intrigued with murdered dad. I was like, Oh, that's not, <laughs> that's not your typical <laughs> romance, romantic trope. Um, not in that way. So I was intrigued by that, and I was intrigued by that whole, okay, this is the sister and their morning, and this is the coach, and I'm really all about, like, Black men working in schools and teaching and being an influence, especially uh, to other young Black men. And so I was into that. And, I, and then I was also, like, you know, cute, nice, and karma. So. <laughs>
0: um, Which is completely coincidental.
1: That was very good coincidence, And. It the what she did here was like exactly what I was just talking about. You can follow the the steps, you know, the make sure you check off all the boxes for romance, but there is a lot of room to do other things. And I think she did all of the things. The love scenes were hot hot and ready. Um the she did it. I like that sometimes I don't like romance books where the the um where the heroine is too back and forth oh my god i don't
0: know (laughs) like
1: she was very she made a this is a very strong main character um she knew what she wanted but it wasn't like this unreasonable weird you know like oh my gosh my father just passed let me You know, she went through, you know, thing, and she managed to do that in a way without stringing the story along forever. Like I'm doing this description. Um, (laughs) Without making caricatures out of the characters, um, there was a little bit of a crime element to this story that left me on the edge of my seat. I was like, where are you going, sir? And what are you doing? I really, really like the story, and it really, really made me want to read the rest of her um, books, and so I will be using my Kindle Unlimited <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> more. It is a book I highly recommend. Um, you know, Yeah, it is good. It is really good, and you know I'll be like, it was great, <laughs> but I'm not... I'm not blowing smoke. It was really, really good. And I think folks should check it out. It is on, um, you know, available for purchase at our our daddy Amazon's house. (laughs) Not at our daddy's house. My
0: daddy, (laughs) (laughs) Jeff. Okay, you're there. All right. So um, last year sometime, I took a walk into the urban world. Do tell. <laughs> tell so me. so of course like being on social media, being a part of the whole indie publishing thing or whatever, you like meet people, um, connect with people via social media. And you're like, oh okay, cool, you write, like I'll check your stuff out. Because I don't watch TV, so I have a lot of free time when I'm not writing, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's usually spent with my nose inside my Kindle machine. And so one of the um, people that I got into um, was a young lady um, who's actually from your neck of the woods, uh, Kansas City, and her name is uh, Breanne Dene and Breanne writes, like, Urban romance. I, for, okay. I forgot. Um, I forgot what she how she classifies herself, um, but she has these uh, this two. Is it two? No, it's three books. <laughs> a mm-hmm. three book series, um, which is uh, called "My Heart uh, Is a Fool." Mm-hmm. So, books one and two deal with the same couple. Um, one is told primarily from the woman's point of view. The other one's told primarily from the man's point of view. And then the third book in the series um, deals with um, a couple that is friends with like the main couple or whatever. And so, i if you had asked me three years ago, would I be reading like Urban, uh-huh. I probably would have been like, mm, no, dog, I don't really do that. <laughs> Um, but Breanne's storytelling really drew me in. Um, like the, the, the first books of hers that I read were a bit more gritty, mm-hmm. um, but these ones are definitely leaning more into the romance <clears throat> than they are the urban elements. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really good storytelling. Um, it's not pretentious. It's not unrealistic. It's not a uh, super gutta thug life. Of course, is niggas doing illegal things, but um, it doesn't read in a way that's like stereotypical, right? Because I feel like a lot of the reasons that Urban gets a lot of bad rap is because everyone thinks that the books just contain content about people who are doing illegal things for the sake of doing them, you know? Mm-hmm. As opposed to sometimes this shit is just the way of life and it's the way that people maneuver through the world. And so, um, reading Brienne stuff actually kind of like, I guess, opened my mind to being more flexible with my reading, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've not branched out much past Brienne. There are a couple other people um, that I read and another one I'm going to highlight um, later. Okay. But, um, yeah. So I would definitely recommend uh, Brienne. I think that one day we
1: should think about you and I. We'll put our heads together and <laughs> think about maybe inviting some urban fiction writers onto the show.
0: Oh, absolutely! And maybe I can think of like three. Won't. Don't give me a fast no. <laughs> Just hear me out. No, I said I can think of like three.
1: Right. No, I was part two. <laughs> And maybe some of these other writers in the romance world that we don't understand. And
0: look <laughs> all the black girls who write white people. Yeah. Uh, I just wanna know. Like the one and I'm talking about not even the ones that write interracial. I'm talking about like the ones who all of them. Mm. Okay. Well, you know, I might be absent on that diaper Come on.
1: <laughs> journalism. <laughs> um I think it would just be interesting. And the reason I say that is because when you, I don't doubt that there are a lot of gems in urban fiction. And when you look at some of these titles and when you look at some of these covers, it's just a hard no. Mm -hmm. But are we doing the same thing to them as we feel like others do to, Self publishing as a whole.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that that was a big reason why I was like, let me give some of these people a shot. Like they're dope girls, just individuals, you know, on the whole. So I was like, All right, you can't be this dope of a person and write trash.
1: Yeah. And the stories, um yeah. Okay. I think they appeal to a lot of people because people feel like they're more relatable and they're more, a lot of times I've heard people say they're just
0: more exciting. Like, like all of that drama? Absolutely. Yeah. It's always some shit going down in an urban story.
1: Yeah. So we, we'll we talk about it. We'll see if I can pay you off. All right. <laughs> the next book uh, that I want to cover is a work memoir. Is that a genre? I just made it up. <laughs> It's a career memoir, a work memoir. Sure. Um, this one is called "No Colored Nurses." It's by Sequis Givens. Sequis is from Texas. Um, she's actually from my husband's hometown, and he is actually the one that told me about. He always talks about her. He's been telling me about her writing a book for a long time, and I was like, okay, oh, hey. you know, a lot of people, t- a lot of people say that to me when I say, "Oh, I have a podcast," and. Okay. Um, but she actually wrote it and finished it, which and more than I can say for myself. And so um the book is about I'll read it. It's called No Color Nurses. Uh, Follow along with Sequisa. She takes you through her journey into the world of nursing. She wants to share her true life stories with other nurses and those thinking of becoming a nurse. I'm sure many of you can relate to many of her experiences. She shares her stories of how the color of her skin and where she is from made her into the nurse she is today. Nurses are made either by the lessons learned or the lessons not learned. Now, I am not a nurse, (laughs) but like it feels like 70% of the black women I know are... (laughs) (laughs) And I am always down for somebody telling their career story, Mm -hmm. especially when it's a black woman, especially when it's talking about how she's kind of, you know, had to navigate the workplace nonsense to get to where she is. And um, I wish more people would write them. And I think it's like, I haven't been able to read the whole thing. We had some issues with the, the, shipping of the book in time for this recording and that's okay but she talks about just these are just like stories like if you were talking to your friend about like girl let me tell you what these folks <laughs> do to work today and you know she uses lines like i was madder than k michelle when she found out that all of her closest friends were stealing from her
0: like, <laughs> yes <laughs> yes I, content.
1: yes that gives you gives you some context of how mad she was and what was happening but it really in all seriousness it A lot of the stuff that um, I've found that a lot of women, we speak about career and where we are and what we have to go through just to be heard and to be treated fairly, Um, misconceptions about our attitude, overlooking us for uh, promotions or work privileges or work hours or projects or whatever. I don't care if you are pumping gas or if you are a surgeon, there is a common thread. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a commonality, and um, there is, this book is not long, it won't take you forever to read, but I think it's a really good, um, sto- I mean, it's a good idea, I'm on, and it's a good story. I think that more women should think about writing about their career experiences. And I think for multiple reasons, one, the relatability, but also I think it helps people especially young people know what they're getting themselves into.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, When I was looking at doing like a PhD program, I was searching for whatever drip drops I could find about the experience um, from other women that look like myself, because it helps, you know, it either helps with relatability. So you don't feel alone or it helps you make a decision. And so, um, yeah, I think y'all should check it out. I have a copy, an extra copy. I think we're going to do a giveaway. A giveaway, yeah, some sort. Watch our Twitter though, because I think I might want to give away another one or two of these. So, like an indie package, the end of package, <laughs> but yeah, that wow. one's no, no color wow. nurses. You get it from, um, you know, Amazon. <laughs> this podcast <laughs> is kind of sponsored by Amazon. No, it's not. Okay, go ahead.
0: All right, Um. what is my next one? Oh, so my next one is historical romance, actually. A friend of mine introduced me to this author. Her name is Suzette D. Harrison. Mm-hmm. And Suzette, Miss Suzette has um, written a book that is a part of a larger anthology series called Decades, A Journey in African-American Romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's 11 authors and they wrote books spanning from the 1900s to the 2010s. Hmm. Um, maybe it's 12. Hmm. I feel like there's one for each, like each decade. Well, I were about to say each year. I was like, no. Like, no. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, I stopped myself because I was about to say each month because I think a new one has come out each month of this year. Okay. Uh, and it's been a different decade.
1: What's it but, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, say the title again.
0: Sure. Um it's called The Art of Love. Okay. Um and this one is set in the nineteen thirties. Okay. And um it says I ooh, I can't I I can't read tonight, y'all. Ava Lydell is chasing her dream. A gifted artist, she's fled the violence of the Deep South for the seduction of sunny California. As luck would have it, the economic crisis of the Great Depression interferes with her hopes and plans. Without patronage and reliable sales, her fledgling art studio fails. Now she faces poverty, eviction, and the distraction of a mysterious young stranger in a questionable trade that delivers danger to her front door. In an age of prohibition and poverty, Chase Jenkins has more than most colored men. He's savvy, successful, and hazard, hazardlessly, jeez, it's a hard word, employed. Um, a bootlegger living on the wrong side of the law, he's determined to discover who murdered his baby brother. He has no time for diversions, especially one packaged in the form of a midnight beauty with sultry lips and curvaceous hips. Unable to deny her allure, he involves himself in her affairs despite better judgment. What begins as a crisis quickly becomes a risky romance. Join Ava and Chase on their journey to outlive danger and indulge in the art of love. Oh. So I want to read some historical fiction. Mm. Um, I've been jonesing to read some historical fiction for a while. Um, my problem is I only want to read about black people. So um, my, my, uh, my options are few. Mm. Um, because I've read a lot of what's out there already of historical fiction. Um, So it was uh, one of my good buddies, Anita, she put me on to Miss Suzette because she wasn't a homegirl. So um, I'm looking forward to diving into this one. It's not super long. Um, So, yeah, when I get off punishment, um, (laughs) this will be one of the ones I'll be reading. Cool, cool,
1: cool. It's not really a punishment let's call it sabbatical <laughs> <laughs> um okay don't be mad but I uh, read your book it's called Road to love and I'm gonna talk about it <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> I am so I'm going to I'm not gonna act like you're not the author <laughs> oh. <laughs> The book is called Wrote to Love. And um Nicole Falls is a writer that I buy automatically. Um, what do we call those? Quick pay, quick checkout. Like, yes. <laughs> so and partially because you know you're my homegirl, but the other part is because um you write with humor. Like I always want to know your characters, okay. With that said, at first, I did not want to know Emerson. <laughs> um, let me give you the description. Emerson Parker is a walking ball of stress. And let me just say, maybe it's because it takes one to know one. Maybe it's <laughs> because <laughs> I saw myself in her a little bit. Emerson Parker is a walking ball of stress, still reeling from the ultim- untimely demise of a relationship that she thought would last forever, work strain, and longstanding family. Did you write this about me? Am I Emerson? Longstanding <laughs> family drama. She is in dire need of respite. A freak occurrence coupled with a little bit of desperation to get away from it all leads her on an adventure. A cross-country road trip back to her hometown of Raxon, Michigan. At the end of the long road, did I get, yes, at the end of Michigan. At the end of the long road home, Emerson hopes to find peace in more ways than one. Roosevelt Ash is in desperate need of a new start. Still ruling from the loss of his grandmother, he heads back home to Chicago to settle her affairs and jumpstart his life. The only problem, home, is where the heart of his drama lies. A chance meeting between these two strangers as they traverse the country with similar missions sparks an undeniable connection. And so, this book is part of a trilogy. Uh, Nicole Falls wrote one, books two and three I have not read, but they're written by... Tay Russ and Bailey West. Okay. And so, and it covers the other, her friend. Yep. So, here is what you, the writing was so descriptive that I have not had Freddy's in months. I had <laughs> Freddy's twice.
0: <laughs> so, you want to know something funny? Yes. I've never been to a Freddy's before in my life. Wow. I Googled, um, so I uh, Googled, the, the I knew the path she would have to drive from LA to get to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, when I, cause I drove from Illinois to LA before. So I was like, well, I took the Southern route. So I, not, I have to Google like the Northern route to see what state she has to drive through. So then when I was like trying to plot out the whole thing of like realistically how long she can be in a car and how long it takes to get from place to place to place randomly Grand Junction, Colorado popped up as like a stop that she would have to make. So I Googled Grand Junction rest stops mm-hmm. um and I looked at the rest stops to see all the food options and I was like, oh this Freddy's place sounds interesting. Let's try this. And then I went to their website and yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did a good job.
1: Freddy's is delicious if you go to a good one and they're not slip slop sloppy with making your burger. <laughs> so way to go. It's better than Steak and Shake. So, and that's not saying much, but still they're really good. And um, so I liked the the writing was very descriptive. I love, you could tell that you researched this, like you could tell that you thought about what it would take to get to and fro. I appreciated that, it stressed <laughs> me out because I don't like to drive longer than an hour. And it was, <laughs> it was a lot for me personally um, to be in the car with these characters. But I felt like I was in the car with these characters. So you did your job. Yay. Um, the family dynamics. There is a family dynamic with um, religious zealot people. Um, and they zealot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I thought it was a little strong. but um, <laughs> And family members. And they happen to have the same sort of uh, similar family drama. Uh, because of religious reasons. And I thought that was really cool. And then in the back of my mind, I know you're kind of fascinated with that. Um, Religions and how they are playing to family dynamics and religious folks. So I knew that about the author. And so I knew, I appreciate that about the book. I like the pacing. Again, this is not a situation where I didn't know that they were going to be together, but I like the idea that there wasn't too much, you know, unnecessary uh, on her end I don't know I don't like him because his hair is funny like it wasn't none of that it was, really, it was really well thought out I liked that they were friends first I liked that I just liked everything about the story and it was a feel good book but it still had these sort of dramatic elements and you really wanted them to get through them so they could go on about their black ass lives it was a really good book I appreciated it um, and I'm recommending it to all of my friends well,
0: thanks bud
1: in this podcast and all of the other, like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a really good book. Way to go! And this is your first full. Yeah, my first
0: novel. It went quickly. Number two's on the way.
1: I mean, it went quickly, and not. Like, I'm not saying that, but like it just yeah, yeah, yeah. like it loaded on by
0: yeah.
1: I had to check the page numbers. I was like, that was <laughs> a novel. It was really good. I'm not just saying that, because you're on the other line. Right.
0: <laughs> Your turn. All right. So I said I was going to talk about another urban author. It's her term now. Her name is Dominique Thomas. Um, and the book of hers that I want to highlight, oh, gosh. my God damn it. Sorry, guys. Um, my computer is being ridiculous right now. I keep skipping around. Um, It's called I Only Want to Be With You. It's actually a two-part series again. Yeah. Um, and girl, this book here. So it's about these sisters, um, Hill, Haven, and Halo. And mm-hmm. um, they are from Detroit. And their life is very interesting because their mother wasn't shit. And so um, a local pharmaceutical connoisseur, if you will, sort of takes them under their wings because he he finds uh, the oldest one of the sisters when she's a teenager stealing from a store. Um, and so he pretty much like rescues her from being punished for that, um, takes care of the girls financially or whatever, and then we find out that he is fucking two of the three sisters. Oh, okay. Yeah. But... If essentially the story is about them trying to get from out up under his thumb mm-hmm. um, and finding themselves um, outside of being connected to him, so the the older sister um, is like <clears throat> the older sister and the second older sisters um, basically are out gaming dudes for money for this kingpin dude. Um, I'm not doing a very good job of describing this book. but um, so they're supposed to like hit these two dudes of they're supposed to be like easy licks but it ends up being that they get a little bit too deeply involved with the men and they decide that they don't want to swindle these dudes out of whatever old boys trying to get them to get from them mm-hmm. but instead they want to help them like get revenge on him or whatever so um the book the first book ends on a cliffhanger, which I have a love hate relationship. Actually, that's a lot. I have a hate hate relationship with cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story is so full that you almost are like, okay, shit, I gotta go see what's gonna happen in part two. Um, and just when I thought part one was mad crazy, part two got crazier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I actually picked up this book because I'm doing an event in August. This is August. Um, in a couple of weeks and she's one of the authors that's going to be there. So normally I try to um, get into a little something from each author that's going to be at events. So it's not like weird and awkward. I'm like, Hey girl, I don't know you, but Hey. Right. Um, so I normally, if I go chat with somebody or whatever, I'm like, Oh yeah, you wrote such and such. I read that, you know, we have a little small chat about that, but um, yeah, so that's what led me to read Dominique's books. But yeah, it was a good one. I only wanna be with you and I only wanna be with you part two.
1: Okay. And so, um this will be my last one. This is my last one. Okay. The this is one I want to read. It's called it looks like a series. Uh it's called Princess of Zamibia.
0: Oh, that's Delaney Diamond, ain't it? Uh-huh. Okay. Why do you say it like that? No, I was just like <laughs> I was trying to think of, I'm like, I've seen those before.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> this, is not, this is really a, a black lady, right? This is not. Absolutely. Someone disguising herself. Um, so I don't know much about this series, but I was actually, um, Dia White, author, um, recommended this book on Twitter, and I've had it like, okay, I want to read that next for a while, for a minute, since she said it. Um, The description, live in the moment with me. That's what he asked Dahlia to do. And so, and she did, because after a near-death experience, her motto was to live life to the fullest. She gave him everything, her body, her heart. Then it all came to an abrupt end. She didn't anticipate he wouldn't trust her. She didn't anticipate she couldn't trust him. He wants his son. Three years later, Prince Kofi returns and he's not the same man. He's bitter and angry, and knows he has a son. He'll do whatever it takes to bring his heir back to Zamibia, even if it means marrying the woman he believes betrayed him. Dahlia must now raise her son in a culture she doesn't fully understand, but when a nightmare strikes the royal family, will it bring her and Kofi closer together, or tear them them apart for good? So, I'm gathering (laughs) that this book is mostly about uh, some sort of royal family Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's called the royal brides and drama related to um her taking away his son in any event i've never really seen anything like this Mm -hmm. Um, don't you know throw a whole bunch of recommendations at me i'm just saying i not you no
0: it's i don't i it's not a lot of black royal stuff yes and
1: I am not one to be all, oh my gosh, about the royal the royal family mm-hmm. in the UK, but I am kind of intrigued with that. <clears throat> and so it's nice to fantasize about a royal family that is presumably African, of African descent, and their drama, and the love story, if there is one, and the that that's intriguing to me. Like I wouldn't maybe not pick this up if it was some sort of like a ripoff of you know Princess Diana's story, but mm-hmm. a whole the idea of a series about black ass royalty is just it's just yep. too much. It's just too much. No, it sounds like a good thing. So I want to try that. Um, as I brought my reading horizons. I thought that that was really. Sound intriguing. So, check out the Lady Diamond.
0: She has a lot of books too. Yeah, she has a ton of books, and she I think she has her own uh, uh, publishing company. There you go. She's got a
1: lot of Johnson family series, Do Over, Passion on Kingdom, The Rules.
0: It goes on and on and on. Yeah, she's been writing for a minute. I think she was strap pub too, but I can't remember. Anyway. So my last one is, I don't know how I found this book, um, but it's called The Private Life of Estelle Knight, Lights, Camera, Infatuation, mm-hmm. and it's about kids. <laughs> so um, it says, soon after Estelle Knight, a 15 year old TV star finally meets and loses her virginity to her childhood celebrity crush, ultra handsome, smooth talking Calvin meters. She realizes that everything that glitters is only broken glass colvin is one of the rare good memories from her childhood and she's desperate to hold on to him no matter what with her estranged abusive sister still missing and no mother or father to help her navigate superstardom or the birds and the bees her personal assistant gina is her only voice of reason in her ear um as her past present hopes and dreams collide she constantly turns to alcohol to numb the pain and in the midst of spiraling out of control she's forced to smile for the cameras to avoid any more bad press that could end her budding career although her industry friends are there to support in any way that they can ultimately estelle must realize she has to make important decisions all by herself so child stars really intrigue me Mm. (laughs) like premise i like that yeah so i'm I'm really interested to see how this is handled. Mm-hmm. Um, so this writer um she wrote this book during Nanarimo.
1: mm she's gorgeous.
0: Yeah. so oh, sorry Oof. it's been a long day um so yeah, so I'm really interested to see how this is uh this has to like come up on my Twitter feed or something, yeah maybe it was in like a book bub or something. Um, but yeah, I'm super interested to see how this content is handled, um, and yeah, reading about child stars, I'm here for it. That's gorgeous. And you know what? I would have never,
1: from that title, I would have never thought that was the the
0: premise, right?
1: Okay, okay, okay. Maybe I'll check that out.
0: Um, that's all I have. So before we wrap up, I just want to talk about something that's very interesting to me. Um, So when I was going through and making my list of books to talk about today, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna look um, on Amazon to see if anything else like jumps out that I don't already own on my Kindle, right?" Mm -hmm. So I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna look and see if I can find any like crime fiction or mystery thrillers, whatever." So I go to the little Amazon, click through their categories, get to African American mystery, and I'm like, "Okay, it's a couple few, it's a couple few." Um, And then I get to this book called Between Black and White, Mm -mm. a legal thriller. No. The author's name is Robert Bailey. Mm -hmm. And I would just like to read you the first line of the uh, synopsis. Mm -hmm. In 1966, in Pulaski, Tennessee, Bocephus Haynes. Nope. (laughs) Watches in horror as his father was brutally murdered, excuse me, by 10 local members of the Ku Klux Klan. Nope. Nope.
1: Okay. Sorry. Bocephus.
0: is Offset's real name? Is it? (laughs) Boy, they may no Bocephus. Bye. I'm going to mess with you tonight. It's pretty damn close. Probably. And so there was that book, and then there was this other book that I was like, oh. Oh, okay. This sounds interesting. Um, it's called Dark Waters uh, colon a Deborah Jones thriller. It's Deborah Jones crime thriller series book two. So I'm like, oh, turn up. I read the thing. It's like Deborah Jones, the fearless African American investigative journalist for the Miami Herald. I'm like, okay, Deborah. Written by J.B. Turner, who is a white man. Oh, okay. Don't know that I want to read a white man writing. A fearless African-American <laughs> investigative journalist.
1: It might be good, but.
0: Uh... It might be. I mean, it has 328 reviews on Amazon.com, which is way more than any of my books have. But whenever a, a book has that many reviews, I always go read the bad ones. Me too. Because I feel like that's where the most honesty is. Um, And I just clicked the ones on this Deborah Johnson, Jones, sorry, book. Um, And it says, never made it past 50%. Realism lacking. Commitment to characters unfulfilled.
1: Oh, my God. Some of y'all got to relax. You got to relax in the reviews.
0: Sort of like watching a bad movie. Kept waiting for it to get better, but to no avail. So this feels like this guy used to write white dude. Um uh crime thrillers mm-hmm. and he decided to branch out into uh more diverse waters
1: i'll still say y'all gotta relax in the review section but that's oh, They do. That. nobody is paying you to be snappy
0: well, anyway. <laughs> you would think they were for the way that they um you like you <laughs> you
1: paid two dollars for this book ma'am just relax <laughs> calm your tits madam okay
0: <laughs> anyway um what are you reading nothing because i'm writing i'm almost done
1: yeah. all right cool 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 cool
0: what
1: i i've just started reading um anti-up by christina yes king and asha so here's this is this is also coming. This some of this, you know, is stemming from I don't know if y'all caught it on the Twitter, but the on Prime Day, uh, Kindle Unlimited was ninety-nine cents for three months. Nice. So um then I was like, well let me get to the books I don't have while I'm taking advantage of that offer. <laughs> um i thought about this but i did it i'm sorry christina but it counts um Auntie up is very dark <laughs> mm-hmm. um and it doesn't really do let's see uh, and uh, asia's life is no fairy tale by any stretch of the imagination there was no kind generous father to care for her and protect her from the vegas that exists beyond the glitz and glamour of the strip no wise doting mother to look over and guide her uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm summarizing the summary and certainly no Prince Charming just around the corner ready to rescue her, but she's alive, overwhelmed with responsibility she never asked for, carrying secrets and scars that haunt her and singularly focused on an uncertain path to escape, but alive. You're not born to sharks without becoming one yourself. In Vegas, a king is exactly what his name implies, born into money and influence, but respected and feared in his own right. The privileges of wealth have afforded him many things freedom power massive eligibility while simultaneously leaving him exposed to others betrayal exploitation and manipulation but he learned the tolls of duplicity wrath and vengeance have taught him to be more mindful more shrewd to keep himself clear of the vulnerability of certain situations certain business deals certain places and certain women women like asia i hope i'm saying that right christina asha asha like attracts like Her poker face has kept her alive all this time and he keeps his card close to his chest. Neither is interested in gambling their hearts, but when they can't stay away from each other, there's only one choice, Antia. So let me just say, Christina (laughs) Jones, Uh, (laughs) I cannot tell you how impressed I am with this book so far. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's so good. The I'm like, and this is not, I mean, this is totally a positive. But like the evolution of Christina's writing <laughs> from book to book is amazing. But I really appreciate the most is that she is willing to try, experiment, and try new oh, things. And I know it's not easy in this genre to... Do dark and twisty things without people feeling like it's too dark and twisty, and I don't come here for this. Um, but it just it's really, really good. It's really, really good, and I am so like impressed. Yes, and I don't say impressed by nobody. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I always say people. I say people's books are good all the time, but I am like truly impressed at the. It's really good writing without being stuffy, without being trying too hard with turns of phrases and trying too hard with, you know, it just is. But it's really, really well written. And that, I mean, I haven't even finished it, so I don't know what happens. But the writing so far is just like, okay, okay, Christina, okay, I'll see you. <laughs> like it's really. <laughs> so I know that I am 2000 and late. This book has been out for a while, but. <laughs> but that's what i'm reading.
0: can never be late when it comes to books. books are forever.
1: i know. i know. that's why we don't do that new book stuff. oh, <laughs> <sighs> okay. this has been a long show. it's probably the last one you're going to get for a while. no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we have special things coming up. we're not done being special.
0: nope, you aren't. oh my gosh, i'm sorry. the people we just got new neighbors that moved upstairs mm-hmm. and it sounds like they are fucking bowling. In the bedroom above me, so I just this is not gonna work out.
1: Have you seen that? Um, funny or die with the neighbors
0: who are performance artists? Oh, yes, I have. (laughs) 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 I died. That's that's what's happening
1: right now, but
0: I promise you,
1: what are they doing up there? And I have been both neighbors, and I've had a neighbor be like, What are y'all doing up there? And I'm like, What are you talking about? my life leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) but anyway sorry for that tangent
0: that's our show
1: it is it is our show that's why it ran so long we appreciate you (laughs) have a good day